Thanks for joining us for the Sermon of the Week. You can find out more information about Legacy Church online at LegacyFamily.tv. There's going to be some impartations today. You see, as a church, we believe God, God still does miracles. God still heals. Of course he saves. And of, of course, but, but God wants to manifest in our life. Be real to us. There's impartations. Man, there's things that God put in me. I can't, I will never quit him. I, I, you know, if, I, if, if, if I'm not pastor tomorrow, I'm not going to quit God because there's things he imparted into me. I ha, I've, had, I've had impartations. I've had experiences with God, you know. And, and, man, we see people get weird when they have an experience with God. Well, sometimes you do weird things, but sometimes people are just weird, okay? Don't be afraid to let God do stuff to in you and through you, amen? Because sometimes the weird is what somebody needs, Okay, sometimes, but sometimes they need the weird broke off of them too because that weird was put in them by the world. They were hurt by something. And you see, have you ever met somebody operated in, they can't hardly talk to you and they, they cry about their past or something. And so we don't want to live there, do we? We want to live in God, for God, through God. So, so let's, let's start off here with communion. Let's read Philippians 2, and we're going to put it on the screen in the NLT. Uh, we'll start in verse 6, and we'll read through 11. This is what Jesus did. Though Jesus was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. It was a sacrifice for Jesus to leave heaven and come for us. Okay? Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. And he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Every miracle that Jesus did, he did it as a man. It just said he laid down his divine privileges and he did it as a man. And man is male and female. So ladies, it's talking about you and me. He was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God. That's the key, what Jesus did. I don't only say what the Father says. I only do what the Father tells me to do. And he died a criminal's death on the cross. That's what he did. This is about what Jesus did. Let's keep going. In verse 9, Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. The name of Jesus is above every name. Every name. And the, and the scripture says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And you need to do it now while you're alive. That the name of Jesus, every, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Verse 11, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for what Jesus has done. Remind us, rem let us remember what Jesus has done for us today in and we give you the glory for our salvation in Jesus' name. In 1 Corinthians, Paul, Paul separated. How many know Paul separated himself for years? Paul was smart. Paul was college educated. Matter of fact, he probably had a master's and a doctorate. The, the Bible says he was going to be a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Be the top dog, if they'd say in Virginia. Huh? He'd be the top man. That's what he was prepared for. Now, the other disciples were country boys. 
like you and me. But God used them. And God used the college boy to write two-thirds of the New Testament. And he separated himself, and the Lord taught him from the Old Testament. And he wrote into the New Testament by the Spirit of God, as the Spirit of God led him. And you know, the revelation that he came, he went and submitted to the country boys in Jerusalem. This revelation I've received. And he went to James, who was the pastor in Jerusalem, and went to Peter, who was the, you know, he took the number one spot of the apostles. And he laid out what God had been teaching him. And it bore witness with him. But he submitted it to him. And he said, I'm going to the Gentiles. And he went to the Gentiles. Now, that's just opposite. You'd think you'd send the country boys to the country and the smart boys to the intellectual. But God said, in your weakness, I'll make you strong. Isn't that so good? So where I'm weak, he helps me. Where you're weak, he helps you. Look, look. Let's read 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 26 to start off with. This is what, what, what Paul said. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of of me. Remember is a covenant word with God. Remember? Remember Abraham. Remember Isaac. See, that's what preaching is supposed to do is to stir up the remembrance of what God has done in your life and what God wants to do and to remember what Jesus has done. That's what, that's what, see, and that's what this is about. And so we're remembering Jesus today. Amen? Look at verse 25. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Remember. We need to remember. All right. Verse, yeah, verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Amen. Let's, let's start at number one. Are you familiar? Are you too familiar with God and the things of God? Are you too familiar with God? Do you just come to church and sit, say, Pastor, feed me? Say, Pastor, do something for me? Are you coming ready? We're about to take communion. This is serious business. Everything in God's serious. It doesn't mean you can't have fun. But today I'm reminding you, what are you bringing? What are you doing? Do you remember the Lord? Are you, are you too familiar? Are you too lax? Do you know people come to our services and sit and cry the whole service because God's moving them, healing them, changing them? But what about you that have been saved for 30 years? When's the last time God's moved you? Come on, when's the last time the Spirit of God stirred you that you, you, you shed a tear by the Spirit of God, not by the pressures of life? Maybe you laugh. Maybe you need to laugh. Maybe you need the Holy Spirit to make you laugh because that's healing. Laughter's like a medicine, the Word says. And sometimes you got to do it on purpose. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Now you're laughing, but I'm not. But see, it's beginning to bubble up in me. 
It's changing me. Ha, ha, ha. You need to shout glory sometimes or sing a hallelujah when you don't feel like it. It's time to let God start stirring you. Let's, 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 let's look at this just a little bit more. In Luke, the fourth chapter, let me just, let's, let's, let, I, well, I'm not going to read it. I'm going to tell you the story. This is where Jesus took, he, he came out of the desert and, and he went to the temple and he took the scroll. He said, give me Isaiah. He said, let me have, let me have the scroll of Isaiah and uh, let me read that. And he read the scroll. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to set at liberty those. You know, you know the story, right? And, and, but what I want to read, what I want to read to you is uh, in verse 22. After he got through reading about the Spirit of God's on him, he's saying, I'm the Messiah. Let's read in verse 22 for me back there. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words they were receiving him. But then he sat down in the Messiah's chair. And they, they received him. And then they said, wait a minute. Isn't this Joseph's son? The attitude. Somebody looked and said, isn't that Joseph's son? We know him. We know him. Look around. Look around. There's people in here you know, and there's people in here you don't. But maybe the person sitting beside you do you know all their faults and all their weaknesses? That may be where your miracle's at. Jesus was the miracle worker. Jesus. And he said, well, a prophet's not welcome in his own hometown. Then he began to tell them a story about Elijah, that there were plenty of widows in Israel, but the Lord sent him to another city, to another woman for the miracle to happen. Jesus had to leave his hometown for the miracles to happen. Matter of fact, another place when he came back, he could do no mighty works there because of their unbelief. Look around. See, we cannot just become relaxed and not be open for what God has for us. Maybe you're the miracle for somebody in this room. And you haven't stepped into that place. You see, I came to this church with a mandate that it's not about me, it's about the body. That's what the main focus of this, this message today is about the body of Christ. You're the body of Christ. He's the head and we're the body. We're the hands and the feet. It's not you anymore, it's Jesus. Working through you. Jesus said, it's not me, it's the Father working through me. We're to be like him. And Jesus said, I'm not going to tell you anything except what the Father said. And the Holy Spirit's not going to tell you anything but what I say and what the Father said. Makes it easy. Come on, say it. Makes it easy. Let's just, let's just I'm getting off here. You know, you sit through life and God will tell you something and you sit there and argue with him because I've been there. And you're sitting and you're thinking, you know, I... You know, I, I just have a, uh, I have like, I need to help some people. Well, that ain't the devil. Okay, number one, that's not the devil. 
because he don't want to help anybody. And, you know, I could take them out or I could show them how to sew or how to cook or how to work. Work. You know, I, I didn't say that about Jeff, but that's the work of the ministry up there. The work of the ministry is not here. The work of ministry is out there, up there with the kids. That's the work of the ministry. Ministry spelled W-O-R-K. It's work of the ministry. Apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher for the work of the ministry to equip the saints to go do the work. So I want to equip you to do the work. That's what, that's what this is about. And we need to remember that we are in Christ and we're empowered by Jesus. Hey, if I pray for somebody, it's not on me. I'm not a healer. But I do what the Word says. It says believers. It didn't say pastors. Didn't say evangelists. They can, but believers lay hands on the sick and they recover. Hey. So, so I'm trying to stir you up. It, their unbelief. Look in verse 28. You know, there's other stories too. He, Jesus also talked about Elisha. Naaman, the leper, came from another country, and there was plenty of lepers. But they were too familiar with the prophet. Oh, yeah, it's the prophet. Yeah. Look, if you get close to me, you're going to see my faults. You're going to see uh, all the things I say wrong, all the things that I do wrong. But I'm still a pastor. And I have to live my life down here. Let me just say this. There's two, two thrones of judgment since we're talking about heaven a little bit. One's for the sinner and one's for the believer. You're not going to stand before God for all the sins. Your sins have been washed away and God's forgotten them. When are you going to forget them? But God, you're going to stand before God. What do you do with my gospel? What do you do with my, what do you do? And I'm going to stand for what I did with the gospel. But guess what? Paul wrote that teachers who teach, they're responsible for the word they bring. So you don't want to follow me as a man. You want to follow the word that I teach. Okay, okay? And so you got to see me as pastor even though I'm full of faults. I'm, I knew my pastor more than anybody, better than anybody, probably his wife probably knew him better than me, but I knew his faults, I knew his weaknesses, I knew everything, and God sent me there to cover him. I had his back. And he, because I knew he was called, I knew he was a man of God, I recognized that. But anybody you see on TV, if you sit down and have supper with them, you think, man, they're quirky. They're, they're nuts. Because I met some of them, and I'm like, Wow. But you don't look at man. You look at the God and how God uses a man. Okay? So look at your neighbor. Can you see their future in God and not their flesh? Huh? Quit looking at how, oh, man, well, I'm looking at my son. He's just a goofhead. I can't, I, you better quit. Your son's a mighty man of God. Your daughter's a mighty woman of God. You got to look at God in somebody. Don't smell them. Phew. Don't smell their breath and judge them. Don't smell their armpits and judge them. You judge them with their future in God. Amen? If we judge people, we don't condemn them for their sins. We see them who they are in Christ. We got to submit to God. So, verse 28. Can you put verse 28 up? Luke 4, 28. So they all, all those in the synagogue that day, when they heard these things, they were filled with wrath. 
And you know I put down radical unbelief. That's a bad place to be. Look at the next verse. And rose up and thrust him out of the city, and they led him to the brow of the hill where uh, the city was built, and that they might throw him off. They want to kill him. The Son of God. Because they were familiar with him. This is just Joseph's son, and he's lost his mind. What are you doing with the things of God? Are you embracing them? Are you pulling the things of God closer to you? Let's go to number two. As we look at these scriptures, number two says, be thankful. In verse 23 and 24, Jesus said, I've received from the Lord, which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night when which he was betrayed, took the bread, and when he had given thanks, <laughs> Jesus modeled how to live. Thankfulness. He knew he was going to be betrayed. As a matter of fact, he said, go do what you need to do, Judas. And then he was thankful. We'd be going, oh, oh. And don't get me wrong. There's times that I don't feel thankful either. But we have got to have a thankful heart. We have got to suck it up, so to speak, and know I'm going to be thankful. Why? Why? Because thankful people attract breakthrough. Thankfulness attracts breakthrough. When you're thankful, not for the problem, but that God's the answer. You're thankful because you remember, ha, 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 I know who the answer is to this. I know who's greater than my problem. The Lord gave me a word Tuesday that, and that some of you, and, and God wants to break this off of you, um, let me just read it. I wrote it down. Mm. I'm trying to get there. It's, it's all right to write stuff down, isn't it? Disappointment is a name. So is discouragement. But it's not your name. Today, that's breaking off of you in the name of Jesus. Turn your eyes on me, says the Lord. No, I'm working on your behalf. Seek me, chase me, long for my spirit to work in you. I'm the answer. It's not in your understanding. That's where disappointment lies. It's in my spirit where the victory lies. When you start feeling disappointment, discouragement, your eyes aren't focused on Jesus. Your eyes are focused on the problem. So let's be thankful. Jesus modeled how to live in hard times. Always be thankful. Number three, remember Jesus. Remember, remember, remember. Remember, remember, we just read it. Remember? Remember? Remember. If you forget what Jesus done, then that's where the discouragement comes from. Remember. So in verse 24 and 25, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which was broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he said, as he took the blood, do this in remembrance. So today we're going to remember and we're going to break it down. We're going to break some things down and remember what Jesus has done. I want to remind you. What did he say, remember? When you take the communion, what do you remember? You remember what Jesus did. 
Not a trick question. But how many of us remember what the devil does? Well, oh, the devil's got me here, and the devil did that, and bless his holy name, the devil. Come on, quit it. Quit focusing on the devil. Quit focusing on the problems. Remember, it's not your worries, your fears, or your troubles. It's what Christ did. We used to sing a song, and I put it in Psalm 68, 1. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. If you let God arise in you, guess what scatters? Your doubts, your worries, your fears, your disappointment, your discouragement, it scatters. But you've got to let God arise. That's what you've got to remember. God is greater. You've got help. Either God's real or he's not. If you're here, I'm hoping that you know that God is real. Now, now the, the, the place to come is called uh, per perfection or maturity is where you take the next step. Okay, God's real. I want to accept him. Then I want to take the next step. And then I want to take the next step to maturity. But too many just, oh, I'm good. I'm saved. Remember the story I told about the boy had a dream. He was an atheist, and he had a dream. And there, there was this fence, and God was on one side, and the devil was on the other. And he was on the devil's side. And he looked and said, wait a minute. And he ran and he jumped up on the fence. And Jesus left. And then the devil said, come on, you're with me. He goes, no, I'm on the fence. He goes, yeah, but the fence belongs to me. So you got to get off the fence. It's either God or it's not. It's either God or it's not. It's God. I've proven him. They're not coincidences. He's real. He knows your name. He knows your name. So let's remember him. Number four. It's a different service today. That's all right. Proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. You know, if you haven't been hearing my voice today, I've been proclaiming. And proclaiming is not, well, you know, I believe in Jesus. Proclaiming is even with up my mind, if I can cheer my kids at a ball game, soccer, baseball, softball, or whatever, I ought to be able to worship God, especially in front of his people. Huh? You need to break the chains off. Are you, I, how many of y'all scream at the foot? Don't, don't raise your hand, but you scream at the TV and your football team's playing. Or your baseball team's playing. and They can hear you. Yeah. But yet God who's listening and when we come together corporately or when you are by yourself, you need to worship. You need to be free. I can't dance a lick, but when I'm by myself, I can dance. I dance before the Lord. I try to do what David did. I have no rhythm whatsoever. You know, I grew up in the church where dancing's a sin. I mean, if you tapped your foot, hey, 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 you're getting close to dancing. My daughter danced in the womb. My daughter came out, and before she, when she could walk, she could dance. And I'm like, what is that? And I realized, wait a minute, that's a gift of God. That's a gift from God. Dancing before the Lord is a real thing. People are gifted to dance. You know, you know what they preached against was all the juking and jiving that they do at the, at the bar or whatever, and the lust that that brings about. But there is some legitimate dancing before the Lord. There's some legitimate worship. 
There's some beautiful dancing. It's real. And you know what we do? We judge people that dance. What are they doing? And the Lord got on to me because I went to a meeting, and it was a revival meeting, and this dude was 6'8", and he kind of had a big belly, and he's out doing ballerina stuff. And I'm like, I couldn't worship anymore. I'm like, what is that? But, the, but somebody got up and talked about somebody else that was worshiping, and this woman was in her 50s and said, look how she worships before the Lord. God delivered her from 30 years of prostitution. And when I thought about what I was judging that man doing, I had to repent. You don't know, I don't know what he had been delivered from, that he would dance before the Lord and unashamedly do it in front of 6,000 people. And, you know, I just quit worrying, and I repent. I sat there and said, Father, forgive me. Forgive me. Because, see, God's still the deliverer. He still delivers people. There are people in here have been delivered from drugs. God's still the healer. He's healed people, and he's going to heal people today as we take communion. That's the purpose of communion, to remember that Jesus is a Savior, to remember Jesus is a healer, to remember Jesus is a deliverer. My deliverer is coming. No, he's here. That's Old Testament. He's here. He's in you. Amen? So we need to proclaim the Lord's death. In communion, we proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. I want to stop. I'll finish that in just a second. I want to stop. Mm. Today, let me just go ahead and and lay something out. You're sitting here today. (laughs) Has anybody ever pushed you in the swimming pool and you wasn't looking? Hopefully you can swim. But if you can't, we'll help you. But here, I want to push you into the pool. When we take communion, I want you to look around. Sure, I want you to deal with some things, and we're going to proclaim some things, and we're going to receive healing, but God may give you a word for somebody. Me? Yeah, and I want you to go to them. Believers can pray for believers. You might be somebody's miracle. You might be somebody's miracle today. Don't don't forget that. The Bible says a child can lead you. Anybody, if God spoke through a donkey, cannot he use you? What you're going to have to do is you're going to have to get serious with God. Okay, God, if you're speaking to me, then I need to know know something. I need to hear it. Help me hear it. Help me hear your voice. I'm tired of this rut I'm in. I want to hear your voice. He'll speak to you. It's, it's communion. It's a relationship. It's real. And God speaks. I challenge you to read Acts and see how many people God used that weren't the apostles. There's a list. Women and men. How many of you know Philip had four daughters and the Bible says they prophesied? Well, that passed away with the apostles. It was just for the apostles, brother. That's baloney. They're not reading the whole Bible. The women, his daughters prophesied because he taught them to worship. 
He taught them how to enter in and receive things from God. He was the first evangelist. I'm getting, I'm getting me to get sidetracked here. Number four, proclaim his death. In communion, you proclaim the Lord's death. Well, I don't sound too good. Listen to me. We proclaim that there's victory in his death for us. In that death is my victory. In that death is my victory. First, we get saved. Amen? If you're not saved, you need to get saved today. First, we get saved. Second, we need to live out our salvation. Philippians 2.12 says to work out, work out your salvation, to work it out. Hebrews says to labor in your salvation, to enter in the rest of God. We think you can't work for this. You work to get your flesh in line, your mind, and then to rest in God, to realize, wait a minute, God's already taken care of that. Wait a minute, God's already taken care of this. Wait a minute, Jesus said, I remember Jesus has taken care of this. Matter of fact, I've heard stories, testimonies, and that's what testimonies are about, to remind you that God's a deliverer. I know God's delivered people from smoking. I've seen Him deliver people from drinking. I've seen people that Him deliver people from sexual addictions. I've seen that He deliver people from hurts that their parents laid on them. I've seen God deliver from anything. God can do all things. But the question is, will He do it for you? And the answer is yes. Yes. Can we agree on that? Now everybody say yes. yes. The promises of God are yes and amen to me. So say that with me. The promises of God are yes and amen for me. That's right. Promises. Promises. God is not a man that he can lie. There's no lie in God. The devil lied from the beginning. He's the father of lies. So the truth in God and His promises are true and His promises are yes and amen. We're going to stand on some promises in a little bit. You still with me? So third, first, you need to get saved. If you're not saved in here today, you need to give your heart to God. Second, you need to be endeavoring to mature. Quit just... Uh, see... In these hills, water don't sit very long. It keeps running. You look at it. We got some rain. And let's pray over the rain. It needs to stop for a little while. We don't want a drought, but we want the rain to stop. I, I, I've been missing sunshine. Y'all with me? We're going to do that when we take communion. Water will stagnate. Are you stagnant today? Let the Spirit of God flow through you. Let him move out that stagnant water of discouragement and defeat. I just keep going back to that all week. So first we get saved. Second, we live out our salvation. Third, we declare that he's coming back for us. Jesus is coming back for me. He's coming back. He's coming back. Make ready. He's coming back. Get the robe out, as she said. Get the robe out. Put your robe on. He's coming back. He's coming back. That's why we say he died, but he rose again, and he's coming back. Man, I went to a church, and they talked about, all they talked about was getting saved, and he's coming and going to heaven. And there's something to that. We need to get saved and go to heaven, but God's empowered us to live this life, and that's why he said, remember, when you take communion, I've taken care of all your life. I've taken care of you. 
but there's a heaven to gain. This is not all there is. We put too much stock in this life. Somebody said it like this. We work, we work, we work to get money, to get money, to get money, and then we're so exhausted the time we retire, we spend all our money on our health. Huh? Man, it doesn't matter. Listen, God wants you alive in the earth because you can have an effect for the kingdom of God. Our focus needs to be the kingdom of God. And if you put the kingdom of God first, money comes. That's what he said. Do the birds eat? Do the birds eat? Yeah, the Father feeds them. Do, are they literally clothed? Yeah, he'll clothe you. He'll feed you. He'll take care of you. You put the kingdom. And he'll take you to the, you know, I, I quit the best job I had in my life. And I, I quit it because things weren't going right. And I took a step. And, man, I'm like, did I miss you, Lord? I knew I, I, I heard your voice. My, my wife and I agreed. It's the best job I ever had, and I left it, and, but I'm, st- I'm still serving God with all my heart. And a month went by. Oh, you missed it. You messed up because, you know, that's not wisdom. Even uh, Lester Summerall, uh, the great uh, apostle, said, you don't get off one horse till you got another in the ride. But if I hadn't have stepped away from that job, I wouldn't have been available to take that next one. Because somebody came looking for me to hire me, and my pastor said, well, he's looking for a job. And the guy said, I'll hire him right now. And I'd only met him one time, one time, and it was the next place. See, you got to be led by God, looking for the next, what God wants to do. What does God want to do? And I teared up in the board meeting because they reminded me. And they said, what do you need to do? Because I would walk into that same boss and i say, hey, somebody just had a car wreck. He goes, what are you doing here? Get on to the hospital. Because you know what? God helped me make my numbers. I said, somebody had a heart attack. What are you doing here? You don't have to tell me. Go to the hospital. And I get to go pray for people. And I get to do something because I had favor. I had the, it was the best job I ever had. But we cling to what we know. It was also the hardest job I ever had. I had to learn 32 products. Like the back of my hand. I would lay in bed at 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm going through stuff, and my wife would wake up. Are you all right? You going to be able to do this? Yes. Because I had to learn. Then they have continuing education. You Christian, we need to do continuing education. Every day. Every day. Remind us. You see what I'm teaching today? What I'm about to get into is something the Lord stirred in me for. It's for us. Man, heaven's our home. <laughs> what is it like? I, I got to preach on it, I guess, but heaven. There's no sickness, no sorrow, no pain. People in a wheelchair aren't in a wheelchair anymore. Huh? So Jesus said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Communion is the open door to bring what's heaven to the earth. The battle was won through Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at that. Okay? Heaven's our home. If you're not born again, you need to get saved. If you're not saved, if you're not sure, you need to get saved. Amen? You need to accept Jesus. You need to make him Lord. So let's go to number five. Whew. 
Communion's a prophetic proclamation all the way through. That by faith you're saved. That by faith you're going to live for God, body, soul, and spirit, and continuously being conformed, and that he's coming back for you. He's coming back. So number five, discern the Lord's body. Now let's look at this. So, so let's get into this, and, and, and you hear all kinds of crazy stuff about this, but let's dig, into, let's dig into 1 Corinthians 11 again, and we're going to read 27 through 32. Therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and of the blood. Well, okay, we're going to talk about the unworthy manner in just a second, but an unworthy manner. But let a man examine himself, so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. If you're not born again, don't eat the bread and the cup. And if you're not going to examine yourself, don't eat the bread and the cup. That's the unworthy manner. Let's look. Let's look. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Hmm. Excuse me, for this mean this reason many are sick in, among you, and many are asleep, but many are dead, is what it's saying. Many have died. Not because of the judgment of God on them, because they didn't judge themselves. I'm trying to help you. So let's look at it. So let's look, examine yourself. Write that down on your notes. Examine yourself right now. Are you saved? Do you know that you know? Are you for sure? Are you for sure that you're born again? Are you for sure that you're saved? If you died right now, do you know every two seconds somebody on the earth is dying? One, two, one, two. Man, that's cold to say it like that. But death is the way of this earth right now. It's the last enemy. I'm not trying to scare you into your salvation, but I'm telling you everybody's going to die unless we're caught out of here. Would you go to heaven? Bow your heads. We're not through with this sermon. We're not through, but I want to know, are you saved? Did you say, raise your hand and say, I want to get saved. Real quick, I want to know that I know. I see that hand. Anybody else? All right. All right. Anybody else? Just raise your hand. I want to know, I want to know, I want to know. You'll know today. You're going to feel it. Romans, look at me, everybody. Romans 10, 9, and 10. If you believe in Jesus in your heart, you believe that he's the son of God. You believe that he was born of a virgin. You believe he lived a sinless life. You believe he died on the cross for your sins. You're champion. You believe he rose on the third day. You believe all that? You believe it in your heart? Now let's say it with our mouth. Say, I believe that Jesus is the son of God. I believe with all my heart that he died for my sins. And today... I accept him with all my heart, and I will not look back, for I'm a child of God. Sin has no more dominion over me. I'm a child of God. God's my Father. Jesus is my Savior. He's my Lord, and He's my brother. And the Holy Spirit has now baptized me into the body of Christ. In Jesus' name. See, there's three baptisms. The Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body of Christ. You become a son, a daughter, a part of the body. You're in the family. Second, you get baptized in water. If you're not baptized in water, it's a commandment to be baptized in water. Third, you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Jesus will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. If you ask him, 
That's, yeah, it's real. It's awesome. So let's keep looking at this. Examine yourself now that you're saved. As we take the Lord's Supper, how are you partaking? Are you remembering? Are you just, well, give me that juice. It's just juice and a cracker. It's just juice. No, it's not. This is a holy thing. Matter of fact, this is a meal we're going to sit down and Jesus is going to serve us. You're here because of me. You're here because of this. You're here because of this. So let's, 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 let's look. Let's keep looking. So how are you partaking? Are you remembering what the Lord has done? Let a man examine himself, judge himself for the sin in your life. you got sin. Christian, you ought not have sin in your life. You can stop it today. Pornography habit, you can break it. Alcohol habit, you can break it. Let, let's just go ahead, and I'm, I'm, I'm just going to lay it out there. What we believe, you can be free from whatever. Does God love you? Can you be a Christian and be an alcoholic? Yes. But God wants to break that off of you. Huh? Because, because baby Christians stumble and fall and go back to where they used to be. If you tied a baby up and never helped them develop their walking skills, the devil will tie you up. He'll put you in a prison. But God wants to break you out. Today's the day. So, so, so look, look. A, we are the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 10, 14 through 16, as we read that, I want to read this. This is in the chapter before. God's setting it up about taking communion. Look at what it says. Therefore, my beloved, uh, flee idolatry. God's number one. I speak to wise men. Judge yourself what I say. Now, he's saying judge what I'm saying, but we're talking about judging ourselves as well. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? Okay, two things out of this. We're the body of Christ, and Jesus' body was broken for the body of Christ. Do you hear me? You're the body of Christ. Judge yourself that you're the body of Christ. Now, every one of us, if our hands get dirty, we wash them. This is what this is about. Washing. Remembering. Because we go along, guess what? Stuff gets on us. Songs that we used to listen to when we were teenagers will come back and haunt you. I used to tell the youth, don't be careful who you kiss. You never forget it. They're ugly. They'll haunt your dreams. <laughs> but it's true. Your memory. Your memory is an enemy. Your memory is an enemy. And it'll pull you back. You'll get tired and weary, and it'll pull you back and suck you back into that life. Don't let it. Today we're breaking it. So is this not? This is not a communion of the body of Christ. This is the body of Christ. So, so with that, we're to judge ourselves, and we read that Scripture and go back to, to 1 Corinthians 12 and 27, and look what it says. Now you are the body of Christ, members individually. So it's making a point here that we're the body, and the body of Jesus was broken for the body, so we could be the body. Are you with me? So if you're the body of Christ, we already started service that way. You're anointed by God to do the things of God. Today, let's take communion and go deeper. 
So in verse uh, chapter 11, verse 24, Jesus said, this is my body, which was broken. We need to remember. Don't let the devil steal your life. Keep your focus. I, I want to show you something that the Lord just, this, this is kind of bread. Now, we, we're going to serve a, a wafer, cracker, but unleavened bread. And Jesus took the bread, and it was real hard to break. You, can, you know how many you can bite some stuff off and hard to pinch it off? But he broke the bread. And I'm going to do it like this. This is my body. And every whip mark, every piece of flesh that was torn off, that was broken, was for you, for your healing, for your deliverance, for everything to be broken off of you, every whip. You know, the, the, the Bible says that the Jews whipped people 39 times, but the Romans whipped Jesus. The Jews said 39 times that they knew a man could live long enough being whipped 39 times. Somebody in history said the Romans whipped you till your eyes rolled back in your head. He was beaten unmercifully. And every bit of flesh was for us. Every bit of it was torn for us. His body was broken for us. How many of you know he was in warfare? He received stripes for our healing. Isaiah 53 says it. 1 Peter 2.24 uh, quotes Isaiah that with his stripes you are the healed. With his stripes you are the healed. He was beaten. He was chastised. That's what we're remembering today. When you feel down and out, he had every reason to feel down and out. His disciples left him. Come on, he was chastised for our peace. This is the remembrance. Folks, we got it made. We got it made. And so, 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 you know, to judge ourselves, what we do, you know, we watch what's going on in America and we judge it and say, boy, that's terrible. Boy, that's horrible. That's the devil. We need to judge it and take communion and speak the life of God over it. And we're going to do that today. You need to judge your body. What is that? That ain't a God. I'm taking communion. We ought to take communion every day. Why not? Remember, remember. I remember. I'm remembering. Jesus bore my sickness and my infirmities. That's Matthew 8, 17, but that's quoting Isaiah 53, that he was a man acquainted with sickness and disease. The old English says griefs and sorrows. He bore our sickness and diseases. Thanks for listening today. You can keep up with fresh content, find out more about our upcoming events, and give to support Legacy Church all online at LegacyFamily.tv. From all of us here at Legacy Church, have a blessed week.